I love what our founder, Truett Cathy, always said. He said, people decisions are the most important decisions an organization makes. And when you realize that, when you realize that everything else you accomplish is through those people and how important those decisions are, I really enjoy being a part of that. Welcome to Mitten Money, delivering insights from Michigan-based business leaders, big and small. William Zank, host of Mitten Money at TriStar Trust, loves nothing more than creating this masterclass so that you can get insight to guide your leadership journey in just under 30 minutes. Subscribe today and connect with William at mittenmoney.com. What's going on, everyone? You're listening to another episode of Mitten Money. So as a leader of an organization, your day is probably pretty busy. Whether you're in meetings with coworkers, trying to come up with a new product or service, or just trying to survive that latest market trend, things get hectic. With all this noise, you want to make sure that the things you do spend time on happen. However, as we all know, things don't always work out like that. Something that often takes a lot of time to form and craft is a company's culture and talent management systems. It takes a lot of time to make sure that same message is consistent across each and every location. How do you make this a reality, though? As you can guess, my guest today is here to chat about that and so much more. I'm delighted to have on Deanne Turner, who is the former vice president of talent human resources, enterprise, social responsibility, and sustainability with Chick-fil-A. In addition, she's also a three-time best-selling book author and an executive resident at High Point University. We chat about talent management systems, keeping a company's culture consistent across multiple locations, and her time at Chick-fil-A. So welcome, Deanne, to Mint Money. So for those who don't know your background, could you share a quick snapshot of your career? I know you've been very successful, not only at Chick-fil-A, but also being a podcast host and a best-selling author. And so what made you initially interested in working in talent management and culture? Well, it found me. I didn't find it, William. I originally had studied journalism in college. I All through my childhood, I wanted to be a writer. And so I did things like I was editor of my high school newspaper. I went off to school and I wrote for all kinds of organizations as a contributor. And then when I got out of school, I found that I really couldn't find a job in journalism at that time. We were involved in a recession. And also, I didn't have enough life experience to write about things that people were interested in reading. So I went into advertising. And that's where I ended up at Chick-fil-A. It's a long story. and It's in my book, so I won't go through all that. But I ended up trying to get a job in advertising at Chick-fil-A. And during the course of the process that I was in, which is quite lengthy there, interviewing with them, they suggested that I might like to take this particular role in human resources, as it was called then. And I thought about it for a little while. I said, you know, I love variety. I'll go do that for a little while. And then a couple of years in, I'll know where all the jobs are and I'll move to marketing at that time. Well, it never happened. I stayed at Chick-fil-A 33 years and I never worked in marketing which is a shame because, you know, marketing is where all the money is. And so I would have had a bigger, bigger budget. But anyway, I was in HR and really, like I said, it found me and I found a calling that I loved helping people find their path. And so as I got more and more into it, I went back to school to learn more about the HR function. But what I was really attracted to specifically at Chick-fil-A, what I had the opportunity to do is help an organization grow. And A lot of times that is not an HR role. So a lot of people don't necessarily aspire to do a lot of the typical things you have to do in HR, but that wasn't uh, a very big part of my role at all. Actually, I was helping us strengthen our culture and really be an architect, if you will, of that culture and, and communicate it well throughout our enterprise and then selecting and growing talent within the organization. And 
I love what our founder, Truett Cathy, always said. He said, people decisions are the most important decisions an organization makes. And when you realize that, when you realize that everything else you accomplish is through those people and how important those decisions are, I really enjoyed being a part of that and found that that was truly my calling was to help other people find their path. Sure. No, I appreciate you touching on that. And so continuing on with that message about talent management, I know that from prior research that Chick-fil-A has some of the highest retentions of employees within the fast food industry, actually within the franchisee locations. And so this is interesting because for the most part, restaurants have trouble with employee retention. And so how did you develop that talent management system? And then also, why do you think companies sometimes struggle with the low employee retention? In your opinion, do you think it has to less to do with actually them focusing in on that employee and the people? Absolutely. We know that the difference that one leader can make in an organization. So what we did at Chick-fil-A and even in my business today, as I consult other businesses, I see some people doing this. I see people not understanding the importance of this. And that's that you have you have this critical role in every organization. For Chick-fil-A, that's the franchisee. It's the leader that's actually in the restaurant, leading the team and leading the team that serves the guest. And so we put a lot of effort into selecting that right leader for every single location. And interestingly, Chick-fil-A has nothing to do with the selection or management of those team members. Now, they have some brand standards about how your products and service are delivered to you, but because they're franchisees, Chick-fil-A has nothing to do with that. So the most important decision they make is getting the franchisee selection right so that that person will select the kind of talent that you experience at Chick-fil-A restaurants. I find it most amazing that whether I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina, or Orange County, California, my experiences are so different, yet there's a different leader in every single location. So I think think that's part of what a lot of businesses fail to understand, is how important that relationship is is between the team member. If you want a certain culture, you have to be on site. You have to show that leadership. You have to embody the characteristics that you're looking for. And when you don't see that someplace, what you're usually looking at is an absent leader or a leader who doesn't have those characteristics to begin with. So they have no capability of passing that along to their team. Sure. That makes all great sense. And so what would be For a company who's interested in developing some further talent management systems, what would you say is that first building block to build a better talent management system in regards to the hiring process for people? You know, looking back on this, I probably have a better perspective than when I was actually in the middle of it. And it's what I write a lot about. But, you know, at the time we were doing a lot of things simultaneously. But if I could perfect a plan, I'd start with the culture and I'd work from that foundation. And Looking back at Chick-fil-A, Truett Cathy did that. He, he lived his culture before it was ever put down on paper. But then, it, you know, about 40 years in, we started putting things down on paper a little bit more to describe what this culture was. But he lived it first, and then we described it, and then we communicated it. And so that, to me, that remarkable culture is foundational. And the way I define a remarkable culture is one that has a meaningful purpose, a big why, a compelling mission or challenging mission to drive your talent towards. And then lastly, demonstrated core values, meaning that not just something stuck on a wall or a screensaver, but they're being lived out through the organization. That's a remarkable culture. And on top of that, selecting extraordinary talent, talent who's 
character matches the organization, whose competency matches the role, and whose chemistry matches the team. And then lastly, teaching that talent how to create amazing customer experiences or patient experiences or student experiences, whatever business or organization that you're in, that's the third part of that formula. And that's what leads to the legendary customer service that really wins the hearts of of customers that we talk about. That's my formula. In fact, I call it the bet on talent formula that starts with culture and then builds on the talent systems for that. And then it's about the focus on customer experience. Sure. And so encapsulating some of those topics, do you believe talent can help offer the greatest competitive advantage for any organization? And then why do you think it could? Well, it wouldn't surprise you for me to say, yes, I think talent's the greatest competitive advantage. And, you know, lots of organizations, they bet on technology or or marketing or location. And for me, I think you bet on talent. I think the capacity of humans far outweighs any of those other things. And besides, if you're going to have a great strategy, you have to have great talent to execute it. If you're going to have great technology, you're going to have extraordinary talent to implement it. So I think the, the organizations who win are the ones that find the best talent. And we don't have to look any further than the sports world to see this happen. And then when you can take that talent and create a team of A players, um, then I think you're really in the best position to win. Within your own experience, how do you ensure that employees at every level of the company buy into that culture, whether it be at the corporate location to any of the franchisees as well? So when we're talking generically about any organization, you have to, I really believe it starts at the top. I had a a CEO that contacted me right after I retired from Chick-fil-A and And he uh, said, I really want to work on, and by the way, it's like a $12 billion company. And he said, I really want to work on culture. I said, great. Who's in charge of culture in your organization? He said, I am. I said, then we've got work to do. Because if a CEO or the the top of the organization doesn't understand that they're responsible for that, it's probably not going to go very well. So I believe that culture actually starts at the top. Now we can talk in just a minute about what to do if it doesn't, if you're an organization, it doesn't start at the top, but it starts at the top. And then it has to be constantly communicated and not just what we say, but even more importantly than what we do. So to give you an example of some of the things I experienced at Chick-fil-A, we had a core value of we're here to serve. And so when you were with some of the most senior leaders in the organization, they communicated that in a number of ways, whether it was walking through a restaurant and picking up the trash as they were going in and throwing it away or it was a culture that didn't have reserved parking spaces for executives or special perks like that. Because in our organization, the higher up you were in the organization, the more you were actually expected to serve. So if you have a value like that, it has to be lived out at every level. You have to talk about it. You have to tell stories about it. And that's how you get it from the very top throughout all the the tentacles of the organization, if you will, and everyone that touches the customer is by making sure that everyone experiences that at every level. Yeah, of course. And so outside of potentially what that annual strategic annual strategy meeting might be for any given company out there, in your opinion, how much time should an organization be thinking about their culture or potentially improving it on a yearly basis? I actually think your culture is your filter that all the strategy goes through. So when you're making decisions about whatever it is, it goes through that filter. Is this in line with our purpose, our big why we exist? 
Does this help us meet our mission, the big goal we're after? Is this aligned with what our core values are? And if it becomes so part of the DNA of an organization, then every decision you make will go through that filter and it just becomes part of the architecture rather than something separate that you do. I think that's real culture when that happens. When they're separated, you're still working on implementing it. But when you look at an organization where culture is really integrated into it, then it's going to be the filter that everything passes through. How much time do you spend on it? I think it's a huge part of any chief executive's role that they're always thinking about the culture and any other leader in the organization. Again, they're thinking about every move they make. Does this align with the culture is of this organization? Because you can tell great stories and you can move an organization down and really strengthen the culture. And then all of a sudden, one leader does something that's out of step with what your culture is. It will take you a long time to recover. Sure. That's wonderful. And so what does it mean to you to be the first female officer of Chick-fil-A? Oh, that was so long ago, William. I mean, that's been over 20 years ago now since that happened. And You know, and there's been so many others that came behind me, really talented, wonderful people. I always thought about it this way. It was just a lot of responsibility. It was very unexpected when it occurred. And my next thought after I got over the surprise was the responsibility, because if you're the first of anything to do something, you've got to make sure that you create a path for others to follow. So I didn't do it perfectly, but I hope that I opened some doors that others were able to more easily walk through than the journey that I had. And I think that's always our responsibility of leaders. Doesn't matter what our gender is or our race or any of those things. Our job is to open doors for other people to walk through and to create a better future than the one that, that we've lived. And so just out of curiosity, could you give an example of one of the ways you've helped open doors for others just in what you'd mentioned in your prior example? You know, one of the things that when you're the first, so to speak, one of the things that you really have to do is help people become comfortable, you know, and that you don't wear a chip on your shoulder waiting for somebody to knock it off. But instead, you work really hard to help people become comfortable with somebody who's different than them. And so I hope that I was able to do that, to address that head on. It helped me a lot that in my family, we had three boys and two male dogs. So between that and my husband, I was surrounded by that. And so I was actually very comfortable in that environment. And I tried to make others comfortable with me so that they would open up to hearing other perspectives. And and I think that was an important thing. The other thing that I've tried to do, William, that's probably, you know, it's hard for me to really, sometimes you don't know how you help someone, but one of the things I try to do, and I did this with my book, Crush Your Career, you know, is, is help people by sharing my mistakes, because I actually can think of those a lot faster than the doors I opened or the mistakes that I made. And so just sharing those openly and being transparent and vulnerable and saying, hey, here's what I did. And if I had a chance to do it differently, this is what I would do. And so just, you know, helping people move ahead without stumbling on the same things you did, I think is a, is a huge barrier to remove. I really appreciate you touching on that. And so now moving to our signature question. So at TriStar, while as a firm, we provide comprehensive wealth management services to our clients. At the center of all this are relationships. Building genuine relationships is something that we talk about every day. And I'm sure that you find relationships as a key part to being part of the community and within your own career. And so do you mind talking a little bit about that and maybe share any examples you've experienced firsthand with regard to the importance of building relationships? Well, you know, especially coming from where I come from, I believe it's all about relationships. 
one of the roles that I really enjoy right now is talent expert in residence at High Point University. And as I work with those young people and teaching them the networking process about, you know, every person. Oh, in fact, I have this, this quote that it wasn't true at Kathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A, it wasn't his quote, but he used it a lot. And this is what he said. He said, five years from now, you'll be the same person you are today, except for the people you meet and the books that you read. And I first heard that when I was 21 years old. And so I'm old enough now, even though I retired early from Chick-fil-A, I'm old enough to be a retired person that worked there for 33 years, if that helps you any. So I know that that's true. And I've experienced it, that you don't miss the opportunity, especially in the people that you meet. Realize that every situation you're put into is for a purpose. I don't think things happen by coincidence. I think they're part of a plan. So if you have the opportunity to have lunch with somebody, if you have the opportunity to ride the elevator with somebody and meet them, be sure that you work on that relationship right then because you never know when that's going to come around full circle. So an example, one way to do that is you always want to ask people about themselves. They want to talk about themselves. You want to be prepared with an elevator pitch about yourself, who you are, what you do, what's important to you. But more importantly, you want to get to know them in whatever period of time you have so that you and people remember people who ask about them and who give them a chance to talk about themselves. So I think relationships are, you know, they're the most critical part of growing any career and certainly they're the most enjoyable part of living life. Oh, that's great. And so for those who want to learn more about yourself, Deanne, what are some good resources for the listeners out there? Sure. Well, you can find me at deanneturner.com, D-E-E-A-N-N, turner.com. And on my website, you'll find lots of things. You'll find links to my own podcast, which I released with my most recent book, Crush Your Career, Ace the Interview, Land the Job and Launch Your Future. And then my other book, Bet on Talent, how to Create a Remarkable Culture That Wins the Hearts of Customers. Both of those are on there, plus all the regular places you can pick up a book. And then please connect with me on LinkedIn. And then also Deanne Turner Author on Facebook, at Deanne Turner Instagram, and at Deanne Turner Twitter. I'd love to connect with you. Well, perfect. Thank you again for listening to another episode of Mid Money. Please don't forget to follow our podcast so you don't miss when new episodes drop. Thanks, Deanne. Thank you. It's been my pleasure to be with you, William. You've been listening to Mitten Money, sponsored by TriStar Trust. Subscribe to the podcast and learn more about how William and the TriStar Trust team can guide your small business at TriStarTrust.com. Mitten Money.